So the message today is about hearing problems. <laughs> My wife's convinced that she must tell me three times before I'd actually do something. But now the bad part is that she's convinced my daughter that I must be told three times. So uh, the, it's, I'm in trouble now. Um, there's an older couple who went to church one Sunday, a very old couple, and the husband in the middle of the service leans over to his wife and he whispers to her and says, Honey, I just let out a silent but deadly fart. What do I do? And she looks back at him and she says, you need to change the battery in your hearing aid. I'm waiting. It wasn't silent in case you still didn't. Verizon made some commercials a while back and it's a slogan or a saying that we can't ever stop hearing, right? I mean, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? But the hearing problem that we're going to see in God's Word today, it's not a result of a, a bad battery and a hearing aid. It's not the result of a bad connection. The hearing problem that we're going to hear today has to do with the vital organ that's 12 inches below your ears, your heart. It's a heart problem, and there's a reason why people don't hear God because their heart is the problem. And we're going to dive into that. Um, I pray that, as Jesus said, you have ears to hear today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we've gathered together in your name. We've gathered together to worship you and praise your name. Father, I pray that spiritually um, we will know you. Um, that we won't know you just on a conscious level but that we'll know you and we can worship you in spirit and in truth. That's the only way we can worship you. So Father, I pray that as we dive into your word today, as we jump back into Exodus, that you'll open our eyes to see, that we'll have ears to hear, that we will understand so we can obey you, so we can glorify you. pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Last week, there was a message on suffering servants. And some of you probably thought, well, wow, what are you doing, Pastor? That's not the most uh, exciting service uh, message. But uh, nonetheless, it, it was needed to hear. That way we understand. And I never want to mislead anyone that you would think just because you're a Christian that all of a sudden you're going to be blessed with all of this health and wealth and prosperity. That sometimes, actually most of the time, true, genuine Christians suffer. And Moses was a little bit confused by that because he thought, man, I'm following God. I'm doing what you said, God. I'm, I'm going to the people. We're going to lead these people out of, of, of Egypt. We're slaves in Egypt. We're, we're two million plus people and we're going to get out of here now. But then it says in the end of verse 20, uh, chapter 5, verse 23, it's on the screen for you so you can see it. Um, I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, God, but he has done evil to this people and you haven't delivered your people at all. You can hear the whining. And you haven't delivered your people. Come on, you said you were going to do this, God. So Pharaoh is the king of Egypt, and he is laying his heavy hand on the Israelites. If you remember, if you read it for yourself, you know that they were supposed to make bricks. They were building a building. 
uh, for Pharaoh, and he took away their, their, the supply. He took away the straw. They had to go out and find their own straw. So it became an impossible task, and so they were beaten because they could not get the job done. And they suffered. But that's the crazy part. That, that was part of God's plan. That they actually, that God's people had to suffer so that God's plan could be completed. We see this now in chapter um, 6, verse 1, that God is now going to show his heavy hand, his strong hand, and he's going to put it on Pharaoh. He's going to harden Pharaoh's heart, um, which is an interesting topic, and it's been asked of me already, what does that mean, that God hardened Pharaoh's heart? Don't miss next week. It's coming next week. All right? But now we're talking about hearing problems. So verse 1, the Lord said to Moses, if you want to follow along with me, you can. If you need a free Bible, a Bible for yourself, there's blue ones all around the chairs. There's some in the back. Um, the Lord said to Moses, You shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with my strong hand, Pharaoh will send them out. And with my strong hand, he will drive them out of his land. Now the word strong hand in Hebrew is hazak yad. Hazak yad means a violent hand. Like this is God's wrath coming onto Pharaoh. That's what he's saying. In fact, Moses already heard this from God. If you read back in Exodus 3.19, it says, I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go. He's not just going to let two and a half million people go. His whole workforce, all these slaves that he has under his thumb, he's not going to let them go. Especially on a three-day vacation like Moses asked for. Um, that's not going to happen. Unless, it says, they, he is compelled by my mighty hand. My strong, violent hand. In God's violent hand, his strong hand, will come in the form of ten punches to the face of Pharaoh. Right? Ten plagues are coming to Pharaoh. And a plague is like a punch in the face. And if you're a leader in, in these things, as we, as we go through them and look at them, we're going to see, wow, those are, that's, that's serious business. Ten plagues. So Moses, yeah, he's kind of complaining like, okay, we're suffering. This is like, they're not happy with me. I'm supposed to be the leader. So Moses needs a pep talk. That's what he needs. He needs a pep talk. And that's what we're going to see in the next seven verses. We're going to see a pep talk. And I'll tell you what, um, this, I can sum up the pep talk in three words. God says to Moses, I am Yahweh. I am Yahweh. And we know what Yahweh means. It's four letters. It means that he is the self-existing God. I am Yahweh. Moses, that's all you need to know. Yahweh is the only way. Yahweh. Now, I give pep talks all the time because I'm a coach. I'm a basketball coach. And I've given hundreds of pep talks over the years. And sometimes they work and sometimes they don't. But pep talks are important. And I, and I will tell you, I, I coach freshman basketball at Lakeview High School. My son is here. He's on the team. Um, and it's, so it's extra special for me. I enjoy coaching my son. But a couple weeks ago, we were in this game, and we're playing this team that on the other team is a friend of my son, and it's actually a family friend. The, the, his dad's a pastor, too. So what you had him on the court here, folks, is two pastor's kids battling it out, okay? Um, all that to say is personal, all right? <laughs> it's personal. 
okay, for dad and for son, and, um, you know, we want to win, all right? We're going to battle this out. Well, the first half is terrible. We're not playing well. We're not playing with a lot of energy, and we go into halftime, and we're down by seven, okay? So, you know, freshman basketball, sometimes seven points is a big deal, okay? Um, if you've watched any kind of um, lower basketball, lower age basketball games, you know scoring can be a problem for kids. All right, so we're down by seven, we're not looking good, we go into halftime, and I give him my pep talk. All right, now I don't break any clipboards, okay, but my tone was not what it is now, if you know what I mean. All right, so we come out after halftime with more energy, and the game is back and forth in the last few minutes. Um, my son, I give him props, he, he hits some big shots, and we pull away, the whole team just kind of gels together at the right time. We win by nine points, all right? So it's great, right? But here's the cool part. Referees don't usually talk to you. Usually I'm talking to them, and they don't want to hear from me, right? Because I'm complaining to them. But referees don't usually talk to you. But every once in a while, they're willing to come over and talk to you, especially if you're winning. You know, they feel it's safe then. So he comes over to me, we're winning, there's about 30 seconds left to go in the game, and he says, Coach, that must have been one heck of a halftime pep talk. Your guys played great. And I said, yep, yep, it was all the pep talk. <laughs> right, Ethan? <laughs> He's shaking his head now. But sometimes in life, let's be honest, we need God to give us a pep talk. Am I right, Christians? We do. Absolutely. So here's God. He's going to give a pep talk to Moses and to Aaron, his brother. And he says in verse 2, and it's the only verse I'm going to put up on the screen for you, and I'm going to paraphrase the rest. But God talks to Moses and he says, I am Yahweh. Now in your Bible, you read it, it probably says Lord. In some of the Bibles, it'll say all caps, L-O-R-D, Lord. And if that's the case, then you know for sure it's the Hebrew word Yahweh. And Yahweh is the name that Moses was given, I am who I am. It's a special name from God. It reveals his character. Because before, in verse 3, um, Moses um, is told by God that I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, your forefathers. I appeared to them as God Almighty, and that is El Shaddai. But to you, Moses, I have appeared as Yahweh, Yahweh. And I promised way back then that I would give you guys the land of Canaan, the land of Israel, that is Israel today. And I hear now the groaning of the people of Israel. I hear that you are, you know, I know you're slaves and I remember my covenant. I have not forgotten. But say therefore, he says in verse 6 to the people of Israel, I am Yahweh. I will redeem you with a, he calls it an outstretched arm, and with great acts of judgment, I need you to know, Moses, I am Yahweh. And finally, again in verse 8, I will make this happen. I am Yahweh. Do you know in these seven verses that five times God says to Moses, I am Yahweh? When you see a word repeated or a phrase repeated in Scripture, it's significant. This is like Moses hearing God's voice raised. I am Yahweh. And he needs to hear that. He needs to, that needs to get into his thick skull, if you will. You know who I am? I'm Yahweh. I'm self-sufficient, self-existing. I'm always present. I'm never going to change. I'm all-knowing. I'm all-powerful. I'm sovereign. I'm Yahweh. That's the pep talk, plain and simple. This is who I am, Moses. 
And that's all you need to know. That's all you need to hear. Yahweh. And if you're going to accomplish this miracle of, of the exodus, of, of, of getting all of these people out of Egypt, you need to know that it's only going to happen because of me. I'm Yahweh. I wonder, are you good at performing miracles? I'm not. I've never done a miracle before. But God is very good at performing miracles. God can do what only God can do. If we try to do it, it's like a three-year-old trying to bench press a thousand pounds. That's not going to happen. It's not possible. So let God do the heavy lifting. Let Yahweh do it. So Moses gets this pep talk from God. And he listens. He really listens. But unfortunately, no one else is listening. They're not listening to God. They're not listening to Moses and Aaron, who are God's mouthpiece. And that's the problem. And now we're going to get right into the the heart of the problem, if you will, in Exodus 6, verses 9 through 12. Moses goes to the people of Israel. They're being beaten. They're being treated completely unfair. This is an injustice to, to humans. This is, this is bad. But he goes to them and he says, he says, Moses spoke to the people of Israel, but they didn't listen to Moses. And why didn't they listen? It says that they have a broken Spirit. Now, I know when you read that, you might think of Psalm 51, verse 17, and think, well, that's a good thing. We're supposed to have a broken spirit. It's a different word. We translate it broken, but it's a totally different word. It actually means here, impatient. Short, impatient spirit. These people had a... They're, they're, they're tired of Moses and his, his, his hearing from God. They, they don't hear it. They're not seeing it. We're being beaten. This is not right. So they have a... They have a, an impatient spirit, if you will. They're, they're, they're sick of this harsh slavery. Then, verse 10, the Lord says to Moses, Now go tell Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, to let the people of Israel go out of this land. But Moses makes a very valid point. He says, Lord, behold, the people of Israel have not listened to me. How then shall Pharaoh listen to me? For I am a man of uncircumcised lips. So what's the problem here? The problem is nobody is listening to God but Moses and Aaron. And Moses makes this incredible point, doesn't he? I mean, this is common sense here, isn't it? Like, my own people aren't listening to me. Why would my enemy listen to me? That doesn't make any sense. And by the way, what are, what are uncircumcised lips? Shouldn't everyone have uncircumcised lips? People don't cut away their lips. Today they inject Botox into them. They want fat. What's that all about? Well, it's a figure of speech Moses came up with. Uncircumcised also means unfit for service. Not a part of God's people. And so Moses had this issue from before. He doesn't think he speaks very well. We talked about that. And he doesn't want to do it. He doesn't think he's the man for the job. So God is going to remind him. That he has a mouthpiece, a helper. And if you look closely at the the scripture, you realize that a lot of times it's speaking to Moses. But then in verse 13, the Lord spoke to Moses and who? And Aaron. That's, That's not in the previous verses. And he tells Moses and Aaron that he gave him a charge, a command. You have a job to do. You need to get my people out of the land of Egypt. So let's take a moment and focus on these hearing problems. 
Because the same hearing problems that, that Moses was dealing with, we're dealing with today. Okay? The same ones. You know the expression. It went in one ear and out the other. See, you know it. And what does that mean? It means that a person, they listen, but they don't, they don't, they don't hear. They don't understand it. Uh, frankly, I'm convinced 75% of the time when I call a timeout and talk to my basketball players, they don't hear anything I say. Uh, the evidence is five seconds later, the play I called, nope, we're not running it. Somebody missed it. What? Five seconds ago, dude. Five seconds ago. I gave you the play, and they can't remember. But that's just because they didn't hear. They didn't listen to understand. It didn't process in them, and they didn't obey. Jesus told the famous parable of the sower and the seed. He tells the parable. He spoke in parables, which are basically stories that had a deeper meaning. He tells a story, and then at the end, in Matthew 13, verse 9, which I have for you on the screen, he says these words, He who has ears, let him hear. And what Jesus is saying here is the hard truth, that some people can listen to God, hear it, like really understand it. Sometimes they don't obey it right away, but eventually they hear it. But then there are some people who will never listen. They'll never hear it. And therefore, they never will obey. And that's what he's saying there. He goes on to say in verse 10, when the disciples came and said, why do you speak in parables? And his response is simple. To you, the ones that can hear, it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. But to the others, it has not been given. He says in verse 13, I speak in parables because seeing, they don't see. Hearing, they don't hear, nor do they understand. And he's really quoting Isaiah, the prophet, which is quoted more than once in the Bible. It says in verse, um, uh, continuing in verse 14, you will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. Why don't people hear and understand? Why don't people see and perceive? What's the problem? Verse 15 tells us the problem. This people's heart has grown dull. And the word dull is better translated callous. Actually, it's translated uh, fattened, waxed fat, like it's swollen, it's calloused, it's thick, it's, it's impenetrable. Their eyes are closed, their ears can barely hear. However, unless they see with their ears, hear with their ears, understand with their heart, and turn and I would heal them. And that's the good news. And that's what we hope for. That's what Keith was talking about up here. That when we put a mirror in front of a person and we help them see their foolishness and the way that they're thinking, that maybe they'll see and, and hear and understand. Because if they do, they'll turn and they'll be healed. So the hearing problem is really a heart problem. The heart is dull, fat, it's callous. And when you can't hear the truth, you're not going to listen. When I was in my teens, in my mid or to early 20s, I didn't care about God. I wasn't listening to God. I didn't want to hear it when my mom talked about godly things. I wasn't interested in those things because I was the great I am. I was Yahweh. I thought the world revolved around me. Anyone here relate to that a little bit? But then God began to soften my heart. And it was a process. 
Then I began to look for purpose in my life outside of just what I could accomplish, and I encountered this wonderful truth. I made a lousy Yahweh. So I made God the Yahweh of my life. I made Jesus the Lord of my life. And I've been walking humbly with him. And I rely on the power of the Holy Spirit in my life to accomplish those great things. I'm listening to understand. I read the Bible to listen to God. The Bible's not just meant to inform you. It's supposed to transform you. And that's what it's been doing in my life, and I know it's been doing that in your life as well. But I don't always hear it the first time. Sometimes God has to hit me up that upside the head with a two-by-four. That ever happened to you before? Yeah, it hurts. You're like, God, maybe a pillow next time? That, that could do the job? Why the two-by-four? But my hope is your heart will be softened so you have ears to hear what Jesus says so you'll turn to God and be healed so you know the truth. Because what's the truth do, church? Sets you free. That's right. Now most... Most people that start off as maybe non-believers, you know, they're not, they're not there yet. Um, I was trying to think of an analogy of it, what it, what it looks like. It's almost like um, you look out upon the water and you, you see the surface of the water, but you have no idea what's below the, the surface. And if you had one of those, uh, well, if you went snorkeling or scuba diving, you've ever done that before, you know that there's this amazing world right under the sea, under the water. And that's kind of what it's like for many people. They're just kind of looking at the surface of the water, and that's what God is to them. It's just like, yeah, I think he exists, and, but I have no, no idea what's going on. No, no idea what's, what's down there. And, and sometimes we... We even think some people start off thinking that they're, they're good. They're a good person and they don't really have to worry about the future. They're okay. Um, they're not really, uh, as the Bible tells us, we're slaves to our sin. And I think it's no mistake that these whole story of Exodus is about people who were slaves in Egypt because it's a type, right? It's a, it's a shadowing of us. We're slaves to our sin. But a lot of people don't think that. They think they're good. Lots of people think that they're good because they compare themselves to someone that's bad, worse than themselves. Well, at least I'm not like so-and-so. At least I don't abuse my, my spouse. At least I don't cheat on my taxes. At least I don't rob banks. We set the bar down here, right? Because so, we can get over that bar. But God sets the bar at perfection. At perfection, that's where God sets the bar. And we're never going to do that. That's why Jesus did it for us. We're never going to do that. John 3 points out we're already condemned, which is why we must be born again from above. We, we must have the Holy Spirit in us to go to heaven, to know God. And that's God's doing. He can do that. So if, and I think it all starts, honestly, with our heart being softened. Our eyes start to open. And even if today your eyes are like this, you just got a little squint, even if that's the case, Go with it. Seek God. Listen to what he's saying. Even if it gets harder before it gets easier. Because honestly, that's kind of a, a, a sure sign that you're on the right track. Because the devil doesn't like it when you seek God. He's perfectly content with you just living out your life the way you want to live it. And you being your Yahweh. Seek God and you'll hear him. 
Then there are some of us who maybe have been a Christian for a long time and we're thinking, like Moses was. Are you sure you want to use me? Like, are you sure? Like, am I the person for the job? I mean, then you start, you know, doubt starts to creep in. You start thinking about those bad things you used to do a long time ago. Did God really forgive me for those things? Moses was thinking, things aren't going so well right now in life. And um, I don't know, I don't think I'm really the right person for this. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you're there right now. Maybe, maybe you've come back to church, it's a new year, new you, and, and you're thinking, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get back to it. Um, the rest of this chapter is weird. It goes into a genealogy. Like you're, you're hearing the story of Moses, and then all of a sudden it's like this break, this like abrupt stoppage of like, and then Moses starts talking about this genealogy. And it's not even the whole genealogy of Israel. It's a partial genealogy of a few of the sons of the 12 sons of Israel, who was Jacob, and then God changed his name to Israel. It, then, it, then if you read carefully, though, in, this, in chapter 6, you, you realize that it's really focusing on one son, Levi. Because God was about to take one son and all his descendants and make them a priestly tribe. And guess who is of the tribe of Levi? Guess who are Levites? Moses and Aaron. So this whole thing in this chapter is about Moses and Aaron getting the word from God, hearing that they are the men for the job. They are the ones. They are called out to do this. And sometimes we need to hear that, don't we? We need to hear that God is calling us and the only way you hear it is if you open up the Word of God. Because God's Word is living and active today, just like it was back then. You can hear from God. If you read your Bible, you will hear from Him. Finally, I want to challenge you with something. You like challenges, right? You up for a challenge? You're like, oh, it depends. I don't really like your challenges, Pastor. Make me uncomfortable sometimes. Make me do stuff I don't want to do. Not true, it's God. Just using me, just talking to you. Here's my challenge. Make your decisions only after you hear from God. Make decisions after you hear from God. You see, I think this is kind of a problem, even with Christians today, that we, we make decisions, whether they're big decisions in life or they're small decisions, but we like to make decisions kind of quickly based on how we feel. It's kind of how the world operates. The world will tell you to follow your heart. Doesn't it tell you that? Haven't you heard that before? You may, as a parent, have even said that to your children. Follow your heart. I just want to see you happy. And we mean so well, parents, but you got to know something about the heart. Jeremiah talks about the heart. He does. In verse 9, he says something about the heart. What does he say? He says, the heart is deceitful above all things. It's desperately sick. Who can understand it? So to make decisions based on solely on how we feel by following our heart could be very dangerous for you as a Christian. And God doesn't say we're supposed to follow our heart. My son has had to make a decision or had to make a decision recently. That was a big decision. It was a personal decision. I won't tell you what, the decision or what it was about, but it's not the point. My point to tell you, and I asked his permission if I could share this, is that I wanted to show the, the, 
the idea of, of parents shepherding their child's heart because I'm shepherding my child's heart. My most important disciples are those two right over there. That's our most important disciples, parents, our children. We've got to disciple them, not by what we say, <laughs> by what we do, right, and how we do it, and how we, we walk alongside them. So they're teens, and I walk alongside them. I'm no longer in that position where I get to just boss them around. Remember when they were little, and you just tell them what to do, and they had to do it, right? Well, now i got to guide them, you know? They're making decisions for themselves. And so he had to make this decision, and I didn't want him to make it based on how he felt. He had come to us and said, this is what I'm feeling, this is the decision I want to make. But I said, okay, that's, I understand how you feel, but you can't make the decision based on just how you feel. That's not what God would want you to do. You need to make this decision logically, and most importantly, prayerfully. You need to make a spiritual decision after you hear from God. So the process was that we're going to make a pros and cons list so we can look at this logically and we can sit and look at the reasons for and the reasons against. But then we're going to pray about it. And we're going to wait for God to give us peace. There's a verse in Jeremiah 17 that comes before the heart verse, verses 7 and 8. And Jeremiah points out, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord who trusts in the Lord, he is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream, and he doesn't fear when the heat comes, for its leaves remain green. He's not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit, because it is plugged in to God. So it's a terrible decision to make, it's terrible to make a decision based solely on how you feel. We must make our decision after we hear from God. And so we prayed about it. We waited for God to give us peace. Because peace is the answer. Because Philippians 4 tells us, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, every decision you make, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And what will happen when you do this? The peace of God, which goes beyond all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So you've done your part. You know how you feel. You know what you think. But what do you need? You need God to give you the peace. You need God to guard that heart and that mind. Because sometimes you feel a certain way and sometimes you think this is the direction you should go in and then you hear from God and God doesn't give you a peace about it. In fact, he does the total opposite. You feel like there's conflict within based on this, what's going on. So you hear from God. When God gives you peace, then you can decide. And here's the best part. Later on down the road, when there's a delay, because God's timing isn't our timing, you have peace about it. You don't have to worry about you know, the year of drought, as it said in Jeremiah, because you've already listened to God. You've already heard from God. Isn't this played out in Scripture in the Old Testament all the time? I mean, Abraham heard from God he would have a child from his wife Sarah. It happened 20 years later. But he put his trust in the Lord. And that's what we need to do. We need to be patient. And we can do that if we hear from God. Because if you don't hear from God, the second someone questions your decision or there's a little bit too long of a delay for you, 
you jump ship. You will, you will, you will change your mind because your feelings have changed. And you can't do that. You shouldn't do that. I shouldn't say can't. It's your decision. But I don't want you to have a hearing problem. I want you to hear from God, and I want you to listen to God, and I want you to trust in the Lord. And it wouldn't hurt to memorize Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways. Acknowledge Him. That means hear from Him. And He makes your paths straight. Wouldn't that be wonderful? To have all your paths be the right ones because you're hearing from God? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. Boy, it hit us hard. It's a challenge for us to hear from you because we have to be patient. God, we're not very patient. But you're patient. You're long-suffering. You love us. And even when we mess up, even when we get too ahead of our, far ahead of ourselves, Lord, you, you forgive us and you bring us back. You chase us down. You love us. Father, today I'm asking you to help us here. Give us peace based on all those decisions we have to make. I pray we hear from you. I pray we trust in you. In Jesus' name. Amen.